Listeners, start your engines. Episode 32, Rob here. On this episode, Brandon from the Film Code podcast comes on to discuss 2014's Muppets Most Wanted, the sequel to the reboot of the <laughs> the most recent, the sequel to 2011's The Muppets that prematurely ended the Muppet comeback, uh, which we will get into. And of course, this being the end of this mega series, we will also, at the end of the show, I will run down everybody's rankings and we'll get a general guest consensus on what the best and worst of the Muppet movie franchise entails. As always, you can find more episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, and other podcatchers, as well as CrookedTable.com. Go and get ahead and give us a rating and review on this episode, wherever you're listening to it. And for now, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer and then jump into our conversation about Muppets Most Wanted. World's greatest criminal has stolen the greatest treasures, escaped the greatest prisons, and he bears a strong resemblance to someone you know. It's not easy being mean. <laughs> it's Constantine, the world's most dangerous frog. Check this out. Ah. Oh, look, it's Kermit. Ah. Ah. Oh, what did you do with Kermit? There must be some mistake. I'm Kermit the Frog. I'm not Constantine. You're going to be here a while. Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. Kermit the Frog here. I am Kermit. And now you guys have all the freedom you want. What? When do I do the indoor running of the bulls? I can't watch. Dominic, international tour manager. Dominic. Bad guy? Bad G. It's French. Oh. My name will go down in history as greatest thief of all time. You mean our names, right? Of course. My name first, then space bar, space bar, space bar, your name. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. On this episode, we are rounding out the Muppet mega series, going through the eight theatrical Muppet movies from 1979 to 2014. So 35 years of Muppet films, and it all ends here with Muppets Most Wanted. And I'm honored to welcome to the show, Brandon from Film Code. Welcome to the podcast. Man, hey, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's an honor to be on. Uh, we were recording our review. What, what were we recording? Uh, Prey, right? Prey, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about a, a franchise that is all over the place. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny, good, but yeah, you were mentioning, we were talking about Prey on our, on our podcast, and uh, you were mentioning some future projects. You were like, oh yeah, we're doing the Muppets. I'm like, I love the Muppets. <laughs> and then we were like, Let's, let's do a review. So, uh, yeah, um, it's it's an honor to be closing off this uh, this eight film uh, re- this eight film I guess review series that you've been doing. So, thank you for having me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Tell people a little bit about Film Code. Obviously, as you mentioned, we did, we did Prey on there recently. Uh, what what do you guys do over there? What makes your show different from uh, from every other movie podcast out there? Yeah, uh, so Film Code is a podcast led by uh, three people. It, it's, it's me, um, Phoenix, Cloudon, and uh, Zach Sneath. Um, we've been going for about three years now. I, if I want to count all of 2020, I think three years now. Um, I joined late November of 2020 and then we brought Zach on in October of last year. And so we just, we go in, we, uh, we, we pick out, a, 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 we find a list of movies to pick out that are releasing throughout the, throughout the month. We're like, this looks interesting. It'd be cool to talk about. So we, uh, go see it we review it and then uh what kind of makes us different is i I, something i've noticed about um noticed in a lot of different podcasts that they do they don't do i feel like more people should do is we do a segment called a segment called uh called what's good um where we just hop on and after our movie review we talk about what are the movies we've seen that week what we recommend and it, it could vary between like three watches new watches old movies and yeah, and then we always have a segment called um, Film Code, <laughs> um, where we, one of us, one of the hosts finds a code word from a movie, like we make a code word off of a movie, we give a bunch of hints, and the other hosts have to go in and investigate and try to figure out what movie we're talking about. And currently, as of this recording, I am the current... I'm not the code breaking champion uh, of season three yet, but um, that still goes to Phoenix. However, I am in the lead with 10 points on the board. So yeah, that is, that's film code. If you guys want to check us out, uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll have the links thrown up and all that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, what I love is that not only are you guys talking about a current movie, but you have that, that extra segment and then you have like a game aspect as well, which that was really hard. <laughs> I said it on the episode, but it's like, I was, I was stressing for like the f- few days before the recording being like, oh, I can't <laughs> figure this out. Um, and then, you know, as people may, may have, maybe uh, have heard by now, I was feel pretty vindicated by the way that turned out. So uh, definitely check out film code that, that episode in particular, if you're interested in prey uh, and if you're interested in franchises, you're listening to this show, the predator franchise is another, it's definitely one that's like, been all over the place. I, 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 the one thing that I find really interesting about the Muppet franchise is that like the Predator franchise, like the, the first movie series that we talked about on this podcast, which was the Child's Play series, it goes through multiple iterations where, uh, where studio executives or creative teams are just like, uh, I don't know, let's, let's, let's try this. So kind of transitioning into the Muppets, what is your, what is your history with these characters? And, uh, when did you, when did you jump aboard the Muppet train? Uh, man. Okay. So I don't remember the age because that we're, I'm 24 years old and we're talking way back. However, it, my love for the Muppets does spark when I was, did spark when I was a kid. Um, so my mom, uh, on road trips, my mom has a minivan and it has the TV, uh, in the on TV in the car and all that. So um, we own, they owned the entire series of the Muppet show. Um, so we would have that on repeat 
so many different episodes. I just like there are so many episodes I can just quote and recall off the top of my head, like the Gene Kelly one, Alice Cooper, Mark Hamill, Elton John. There are just so many. But I remember watching that as a kid. I'm like, this is great. And then um, as I grew up, I grew up going to Disney World and they had a they had they had they still there. Actually, it's an attraction called Muppet Vision 3D. And to this day, I still love it so much. Like I know exactly what happens throughout the entire show, but nothing beats just sitting down and just watching it. So, um, yeah. And then I guess just over time, like. I I wasn't the huge, like the biggest of Muppet fans because my 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 ADD self was that hardcore dedicated to Star Wars my entire life. So watching that episode with Mark Hamill, where they combined Star Wars with the Muppets, I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm. It, it's funny because as far as the movies go. I never knew they existed until the 2011 film came out. Oh, wow. Yeah. But um, then I, and then I eventually went through and watched them all, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely been a journey for me with the Muppets. Did you ever watch the, uh, the, the show on ABC that I remember when Disney plus came out, I was like, what is this? I threw it on. It was so funny. It, I just I love that episode where Fozzie's like, "Wow, I'm at Jay Leno's house. I need something to remember this." He steals his candy ball. <laughs> yeah, I, I it's been it's been a uh, it's been interesting since the 2011 movie because I am uh, I'm 39, so I was I grew up with the Muppet Babies, the original Muppet Babies, the uh, the Muppets Take Manhattan was my entry point. So I actually, I think to this day, probably still haven't, this is going to, I'm going to lose my Muppet fan card. I still probably haven't seen the entire Muppet show because there's a lot. Uh, oh, I don't blame I, you. There's so many. <laughs> there are five seasons of that thing. And I got little kids. So getting to it now, it's it's hard to do so. Uh, but I, I've seen a fair bit, but I didn't grow up with the Muppet show. I grew up with the the, the first few movies, really. And I uh, saw Muppet Christmas Carol in theaters when that came out in 1992, et cetera. So if the 2011 was your first movie, what was, how did that play for you as, I guess, your introduction to big screen Muppets? And, you know, what was that, what was that experience like seeing them on the big screen, I guess? All right. So well, my, my first film, uh, my, my first Muppet film was uh, actually the 2011's The Muppets. So um, I remember, so my mom took us to go see that in theaters. and this was prior to me knowing that these films existed. So I thought the whole Muppet studio and all that was just like them getting shut down from the Muppet show. And they did a really good job. Like, like they had little Easter eggs and here and there from the films that I didn't realize that I, when I eventually went back and watched 2011, I'm like, ah, okay, these, this is cool. But like, if you're just, if you're, if you just watch through the Muppet show itself and then you wait a few years and then this film like this comes out and like, they're bringing the, the gang back together and all that. It's beautiful. It, it plays as if it's the first Muppet movie ever made. And I think that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of the part of why that, that movie I think is so successful is that if like you, you just seen the Muppet show and then totally are, are you know, haven't seen any of the previous movies, you just go into that. And it feels like a big screen adaptation of that show, like bringing it like, 
you know, the Muppet show, the movie kind of thing, which Mm -hmm. is, whereas the Muppet movie itself is more of an origin story of what led them to, to starting the Muppet show. The Muppets feels like a continuation of, uh, the, the character, you know, the, the character interactions, the arcs and whatever, what have you from the, that series brought to the big screen. So I think it, that was, that's why I kind of, why I was asking, cause I think it totally works as, uh, an entry point. And it really does. Uh, obviously what was, what it was intended to be. But the, the interesting thing with the Muppets is that the canon doesn't really exist. Like all of these movies completely re completely reimagine who these characters are, what environment they're in. Uh, you know, the Muppets from space has them all living in a house, like randomly and they have normal jobs and they're just regular, regular uh, members of society. They're not like famous movie stars or anything like that. Uh, and then, you know, the Muppets is sort of probably the first one since, uh, probably the first one since the original Muppet movie to be, you know, this is Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy and they exist in our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, and I, I, you know, I really like that whenever the movies lean into the fact that, Hey, these guys exist, you know, as a kid, you, you, they would show up randomly on a talk show or a game show or like a holiday parade or whatever. And it's always presented as, Oh, and our special guest star Kermit the Frog, it just happens to show up. And so I, I always love when they, the, every, they kind of extend the bit into the real world where, Hey, these characters exist. What do you mean? They're not puppets. You know, I, mm-hmm. I love that. And then these movies, I think do a good job of, keeping that up and, and bringing that to, to the screen in a way that none of the previous six movies really had before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Something that I, I, I love is just, I, I love how, how like talking, touching back on the Muppet show before we dive into this movie is just, yeah. I love how creative Jim Henson was with everything. Um, so on our on our Muppet Show DVDs, every time before the Muppet, every time before one of the episodes would start, it would start off with Brian Henson talking about the episode and behind the scenes stuff, and it was awesome because like there you see a lot of shots of like Frank Oz under the stage with doing the puppeteering and all that, and the voice. It's it's so cool to see. Yeah, yeah. It's a, there's a real sense of legacy with these characters too. Uh, which, you know, I think more recently with the shift from Steve Whitmire as Kermit to Matt Vogel, I, that's, it's a little bit of a, a rocky transition at the moment. But I mean, up to this point, certainly through the movies, you, you Jim and, and Frank kind of holding it down through all of this. Even Dave Goals still playing Gonzo from like the 70s until now, which I think mm-hmm. is amazing. And probably part of why, and I mentioned this on a previous episode, part of why that character feels the most consistent, like the most consistent character wise from every single film, like Gonzo is always Gonzo, even if they take Kermit or Piggy or whoever in different directions, like Gonzo feels, uh, is like the unifying constant in a way through these things. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so, so this kind of continues that, uh, that legacy going forward. Brian Henson actually even directed, uh, Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island. So, uh, you know, he kind of took the, the brand from, the Jim Henson era and then sort of continued it on mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, in the way in the best that he could in, in the absence of his father. So, uh, but yeah, so go, so you really like, so I'm assuming you really loved the Muppets 2011. Yeah. It was uh, that really well was, received. Yeah. Go it, ahead. it was the film. It was a film that re, like, I'm pretty sure this goes for everybody. It was the film that re sparked the love for it. Right. Yeah, definitely. 
there was 12 years before that since there was a theatrical Muppet movie. And Muppets from Space didn't do well, really, at the box office. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of one of the more forgotten uh, films in the pantheon, I would say just by sheer virtue of the fact that it's also not owned by Disney. So it's not on Disney plus where the Muppets umbrella now, uh, just like star Wars <laughs> now, uh, you know, exists. And mm-hmm. so, uh, so, it, you know, the Muppets 2011 was like a return to form for them. Uh, and then three years later, they're, they're doing a sequel. <laughs> Muppets most wanted comes out, doesn't do as well. And I feel like in the eight years since then, I feel like a lot of people sort of undervalue this one as a sequel to the Muppets 2011. There was no third film in this reboot uh, line of Muppet movies. Does did Muppets Most Wanted deliver this the a, a sequel that you were hoping for after 2011? And and if so, why or why not? Nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here here's the here's the, here's my issue with it. Yeah, is I feel like they went a little too. I mean, I mean, it's it's a show about it's a movie about talking puppets. Like, I I don't want to be that guy and be like, oh my god, yeah, they ruined this. They went over the top. Like, what Kermit's in Russia in a Russian prison? No, I'm not gonna like bash it like that. I just I I didn't feel like it would. I didn't feel like it could have been as good had Jason Segel or Amy Adams st- returned to be in this film. Mm-hmm. If you get what I mean, I personally don't like the whole Constantine arc. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a big problem. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, it's, I mean, it, to, to have a, like a, a, a fro- like another Kermit lookalike and just slap a mole on the real Kermit and frame. Right. That's that kind of got to me. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's a little nitpicks here and there, but yeah. Um, uh, to quote Chris Stuckman, uh, I actually went back and, watched his review for Muppets Most Wanted last night. And um, he, there's a line in the song that they song, they sing in the first song, which is a really well done song. We're doing a sequel. And the, the one, two, three, four, five, sixth line of the the song. And everybody knows the sequel's never quite as good. To quote Chris Stuckman, that is when they shot themselves in the foot. Yeah. They're, they're lowering expectations in the song. They're like, uh, you know, just bear with us. Yeah. But what makes it so funny though, like in this first songs, they may, they mentioned like, we can't do any worse than Godfather three, which is true. <laughs> and what the studio wants more while they wait for Tom Hanks to make toy story four, which five years later is so funny because they did it. Yes, they did. <laughs> and they still haven't done another Muppet movie, which is I think the real irony of that line too. <laughs> yeah. Like, Piggy's like, there's a studio considers us a viable franchise. And I'm like, I, I don't know if they do anymore. <laughs> honestly, I feel like Disney executives don't know what they're doing with this franchise. And that, that's part of why, like, I, I, I like this movie more than you. First of all, I am I'm mixed on elements of it. Uh, but honestly, I'm kind of mixed on elements of the 2011 one too. So I, I, but different, different. I have different issues with each of those. And the 2011 one, I feel like there's so much Jason Siegel and Amy Adams and they're great. And I, you know, was a big fan of how I met your mother. Obviously I, I, Amy Adams is amazing and everything. I feel like there was so much focus on them and Walter and the Muppets themselves were a little more sidelined, but it's a reboot. 
you know, they're, they're reintroducing these characters to a new audience. I get it. You kind of sign a, take a step back to take a step forward sort of thing. Force Awakens. It's the same reason why I, I kind of gloss over the fact that it's basically the same arc as a new hope in a lot of ways. It's like kind of hitting a lot of the same plot beats. So I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. This one, they, they, the, they refocus back on the Muppets but there, it feels like, and I don't, I don't know if, uh, how well you, how much you've seen of the other movies. It sounds like you went back and watched them all, but it, this still feels to me like great Muppet caper meets Muppets take Manhattan. And, and there's elements of those movies just mashed together. And it feels to me like a retread in the way that like if force, if the last Jedi had been more like, obviously that's a divisive movie already, but if it had been almost beat for beat, like empire strikes back, people would have torn it to shreds even more than they already do. Yeah, like I, I, I hate to jump off topic here, but like I love the sequels, the exception of the Rise of Skywalker. Um, I love Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, but the the main issue with those were you can't please everybody because you had half of the fan base who's like, oh my god, this is fantastic, and like, like the fourth Force Awakens, yeah, it's a retread of a New Hope. A lot of people loved it, and then a lot of people were like, oh my god, this is too much like a New Hope. Last Jedi went out and was a way different. And a lot of people loved it for being different. And then those same, same people who complained about Force Awakens being too much like a new hope complained, oh my God, this is nothing like Empire. What the hell? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But um, jumping back on topic here is like, you, you do bring up a good point because it is like the great Muppet ca- uh, caper and takes Manhattan. It does feel like a mix of both. Just, I feel like the people that they casted for the cameos, mm. they did it better in 2011. Yeah. Cause like, it, like it, even the song you have and one and more one liner cameos, you had Lady Gaga there for one line and that was it. And it was so funny that one line, like I'm looking at the song on Spotify right now that it got her second, secondly credited on the song. Of course it did. <laughs> There's definitely a sense of them feeling the pressure from following 2011 uh, here and I, there's that's indicative in the fact that there are like a bazillion cameos in here, even just like Rand, like James McAvoy delivers a package at one point, and Chloe Grace Moretz like throws a newspaper uh-huh. extra, extra, even Piggy and Kermit getting married at Tower of London. Most of them aren't even clever, they're just like, let's cast a famous person in this moment just because that way they can say they were in a Muppet movie and we can say we have a cameo from them. There's very few of them that are actually clever. The Usher one I like. Oh my God, that one pissed me <laughs> off so much. It's like, yeah, I'm the Usher. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Well, that's a Muppet joke though. That's a pun. That's like something the Muppet show would have. Yes, I'm the Usher. <laughs> oh man. It, it's just like, that would just like I I was I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. It would be just like Jesse walking up, "Hey, Mr. White, we're Breaking Bad, yo." <laughs> Man, but um, never in my life did I think I would see Ray Liotta and Danny Trejo in a musical. Yeah, I like because it's been a long time since I've seen Muppets Most Wanted because I re um up until the other day because I rewatched yeah. it now in preparation for this. And I'm like, is that Ray Liotta? I'm like, what is he doing in this film? Because I totally knew, like, like Horn. I don't know if you watched WWE. Um, yeah. The 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 short guy in the in in the Gulag, uh, his name is Hornswoggle from WWE. Um, 
I ha- I his his cameo was understandable because uh, at that time WWE was doing a huge partnership with the Muppets. Uh, so okay. them getting him is that yeah that I didn't even realize that that's interesting. Yeah, who was that one guy that came out of who was who kept singing out of that one tiny cell? Oh, Josh Groban. That's the oh my Josh Groban. God, yeah. Oh yeah, I completely forgot about that. But and then you have Phil from Modern Family, um, who played the French detective with uh, Sam Eagle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing his best, like uh, you know, Inspector Clouseau, like the Pink Panther. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Part of me wishes they just hired him, the the guy who played Pink Panther in the movies. He was great. Yeah. I it's 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 definitely trying a lot and you know I I've had someone on this show who said they did they really didn't like uh this movie because they don't like Ricky Gervais and I'm like well that's fair because he's all over this thing he is the principal human actor in this film so it's like they took big swings with some of the casting and I feel like, you know, some of it works, some of it doesn't. I love the fact, speaking of the inmates in the gulag, I love the fact that we have Danny Trejo playing Danny Trejo. I think that's really funny. <laughs> and the fact that, that he, he's basically just, yeah, doing playing himself. Right. Yeah. See, um, you, you, I'm, this is a good, this is a good segment point. Uh, uh, Ricky Gervais, man. I, he's awesome. I, his speech at what was it the Emmys a couple of years ago? Yeah, I think it, it. He really did touch on a lot of points that I I, I want to say I agree with, but is really noticeable. Yeah, but um, I'm not going to get into that. But you're talking about when he's pointing out like the hypocrisy of all yeah the is there and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He definitely. Yeah. I mean, he makes an impression when he comes out and he gets people talking. And I think that's that's the fundamental thing that that makes his hosting gigs memorable. Why they keep bringing him back, even though every time he's like, "Oh, they're never going to bring me back. I I hate doing this, whatever." And then they're like, "Come back again," because we got a lot of press out of that. Hmm. Yeah. See, because Ricky Gervais is a funny guy. I've seen some. I've seen his other work. I've seen him do stand up like mm-hmm. here and there. It's great. Him in this film, he was there for a paycheck because there's literally a song that's not titled this. I think it's I'm number one where uh, Constantine is singing with him. And it it felt like Disney put this song in there, or at least wrote this song directly to Ricky Gervais. You want this money? Dance, monkey, dance. You're our monkey. (laughs) You want this money? You better dance. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I mean, obviously, I think the paycheck is part of it. I feel like he's probably because if you see any of the behind the scenes things, he seems like he's literally having fun doing this. I think it's it's fun for him. But then, yeah, it's also it's not a huge stretch acting wise to just act like a smug, you know, Mm -hmm. jerk kind of. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of his persona a lot of times generally. And the fact that is, you know, his he's so blatantly the. the bad guy that it's literally his name, I think is kind of a, uh, it's kind of a very Muppety touch as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. But um, something that's really funny is I completely forgot Tina Fey was in this. Mm, she has a whole musical number too. Yeah. In the big house. I see. I have a love hate relationship with that song because it's a really catchy song. 
but catchy it, songs never leave your too head. Catchy, yes, that's so true. Yeah, I, I, because I watched this obviously recently for this episode, and then it's been like on the in the back of my head every once in a while, a line of it'll pop out, and I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, like as, yeah. like because I when I saw this film in theaters years ago, it was stuck in my head. And then so many years removed, I finally left. And then rewatching it last week, I'm like, God damn it. I do think the music overall, since we've been touching on that a lot, I think the music is pretty solid here throughout. Yeah. Uh, it's a, obviously still Brett McKenzie who did the the songs for the Muppets 2011 uh, and won the Oscar for Man or Muppet. I, I feel like he does a really good job bringing sort of a catchy, kind of clever and like upbeat music here. It sounds like you're a little more mixed on it. So go, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, um, ultimately the music is hit or miss here. There are some really great songs. Like, like, like I mentioned, we're doing a sequel, which I think is the best from this film. Um, you have the song where the, the, the escape song where they're digging a hole. Yeah. That scene was a mix of funny and catchy at the same time. Um, in the big house, it's a love. Like I said, it's a love, hate. Um, Dance Monkey Dance or I'm number one. Do not like that song. Um, thank you, Kermit. No further questions. That's that's a pretty decent song. Yeah. When like in the context of watching it in the movie, I'm like, eh. It's it's hard to tell. But um, I I actually listened to the uh, the soundtrack last night, and I'm like, okay, this is better than I thought it was. Yeah. I I think of the the three main human actors in this, I feel like Ty Burrell gets the movie he's in the most. I feel like he, he plays up that character cause he's playing such a cliche sort of the, you know, like I said, the inspector Clouseau type of, uh, French, you know, uh, layabout and you know, every, every two seconds he's like, Oh, it's my lunchtime. It takes six hours or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, with the little car and all that stuff, the little tiny cup of coffee. I, I love all his like the visual gags and stuff that he has going on. I like that he and, uh, Sam, Sam, the Eagle have a, uh, kind of a, a buddy cop situation, like uh-huh. totally own movie. I think that's, that's pretty funny. Uh, and I think, yeah, the interrogation song, I think captures just what a blast type role is happening. Uh, probably more than any other scene. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny. So I'm talking about the, uh, working in a coal mine song. Yeah. Right before that starts. No clue how they managed to get this person because he was like, he was hot stuff at this time Avengers had just come out and two years ago, he was filming Thor, the dark world. Tom Hiddleston had like a five second cameo where he was <laughs> breaking out of chains yeah, yeah. and then he bolts out of there. I was like, cause I, I when I watched it last week, I'm like, wait, wait a second. I'm like, is that Tom Hiddleston? I'm like, no way. <laughs> See, that's that's a cameo that lands because you give them something to do. There's a gag there. He's on the stage and he he's doing like a magic act. He's the great escapo. And then uh, he just like runs for it. She like shocks him and he's like, nice try, escapo. And he just kind of collapses over. Yeah, I love that one. That one's that's another one of those cameos that I feel like really stands out. Yeah. Um, so. I want to talk about, because uh, we haven't really touched on any plot points. What are your thoughts on, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm taking it over here for a second. No, no. Um, what are your thoughts on the whole, con- I mean, we talked about the whole Constantine thing. Do you think that they were able to 
do it well because um, when Kermit was like, oh yeah, I'm not Kermit. I'm not Constantine. I'm Kermit the Frog. And the way they kept him in there was because Tina Fey's character had a crush on Kermit. Do you yeah. think that was done well? Uh, I think the... I think the Constantine part of it is way more interesting than the Kermit part of it. I think the, the, I like the character of Constantine. I, I think that, you know, that the sort of overblown Russian accent, the way he co-ops uh, Kermit's uh, catchphrases, you know, uh, it's not easy being mean and high, high, low. And he like gets everything like 20% wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think that's really funny seeing him trying to, cause Kermit is such a, a wholesome, uh, you know, big hearted character that's seeing the world's most dangerous frog pretend to be Kermit and mm-hmm. then having all those moments where he's pretending like he gives a crap about anything or he's talking to, I think at one point he's talking to Walter and he's like, oh, we will learn lesson about, you know, sharing or taking our turns at the number three. Um, I, I love, I love that character. I think that character is, is what works the most for me in this movie. Uh, the music is great as well. The Kermit stuck in the gulag is a little bit, it's a little bit draggy. I, I think there's a lot of stuff in there. And this is kind of what I was saying earlier. The Kermit doppelganger is a new element. The Muppet locked in a, in a prison or a jail or somewhere they can't escape from. That's been done in Muppets from space. When Rizzo was in the, uh, the laboratory with the lab rats, uh, they even have the gag in here, which is how they get out of, in the that film of the Shawshank, you know, kind of Shawshanking it out, digging a a, a hole in the wall behind a poster. Mm-hmm. Um, the the um, the heist element with Constantine and uh, Dominic I, is not as interesting to me. It's Constantine's place within the Muppets and him trying to be Kermit that I find fun. But the heist thing, again, that's great Muppet caper. And then the whole uh, climax, the, the third act centering so much on Kermit and Piggy's wedding mm-hmm. to the point that the movie culminates in, in a, basically ripping off the song together again from the Muppets take Manhattan verbatim almost uh, is none of that has particularly sits well with me, but whenever it's Constantine in the, in the group and, uh, them doing the world tour and, and kind of going from place to place. And uh, Sam, the Eagle and Ty Burrell are on his, on their, on their tails. That stuff. I like, even though I will say as I, even though I do like this movie uh, it is even the theatrical version, there's actually an extended version of this movie. Is there really? I, it's like 12 minutes longer. It's like over, first of all, the theatrical version is like an hour and 40 something minutes. And the the extended version is like just a touch over two hours. A Muppet movie, as much as I love the Muppets, a Muppet movie does not need to be that long. I feel like even the, there's some funny stuff in the extended version, but I feel like even the theatrical version is a little too bloated. I feel like some of that stuff could have been trimmed down. And it also essentially sidelines Kermit for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And, and that I think is a problem. I think he should have been maybe escaped the gulag midway through and then had him sort of trying to make his way back and have it be sort of a, a mini road movie of him trying to get back to the Muppets and encountering people along the way, which is stuff that we've done before, obviously the road movie and the Muppet movies. But I feel like it's, it's more interesting than Kermit just kind of being stuck there for three quarters of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's something that stuck that got to me though. It's like not not they didn't just sideline Kermit 
um, they severely sidelined Walter. They did. Yeah. It was unfortunate because Walter was like the huge, I guess, glue or huge player playing card that got, that got the ball rolling on everything in the last film. And then they just sidelined him this entire film to just be like, Hey guys, do you think anything's up with Kermit? He sounds weird. And then three tries later, animals honey like bad frog. Yeah. Oh, like, come on. I I I mean, I feel like the sidelining of Walter is something that didn't particularly surprise me. I think because he because he was the vehicle to introduce a new audience to these characters. He was sort of it's it's kind of like the uh, the Hellboy movies. There's a character in there, uh, Agent Myers, in the first one who is the main character and leads us into the, uh, what is it? The Bureau BRPD or the other way around. I forget leaves us into the world of Hellboy and everything going on over there. He completely written out of the second one because I think Guillermo del Toro was like, eh, we, he was our entry point in, we don't need an audience surrogate anymore. Hellboy's going to lead his own movie. So it, it kind of didn't surprise me that he was downplayed a bit. I'm just gl- thankful that one they kept him because like i said muppet canon in general it's like who who knows what the hell's gonna happen in the next movie Mm -hmm. this is the only muppet movie of the eight to actually be a direct continuation of the one before it every other one is sort of re restarting uh starting from scratch whereas here literally opens with the end of the previous movie which i thought was interesting even though they do kind of dismiss the the fans out there so it's kind of uh, it's kind of alien threeing the end of the last movie. It was like, yeah, no, that doesn't matter. Those fans weren't real. They're all dancers and stuff, which is a little bit uh, annoying and kind of taking the the wind out of the sails of the previous film. Um, but but yeah, so I'm glad that they kept Walter in the group because I do think he brings a, a little bit of a different energy. He's a, mm-hmm. he's more of a straight man, which we already have Scooter for that. But I think he he you know him being uh, a Muppet fanboy and outsider coming into it. I think is a valuable perspective, uh, particularly in this movie, because he's the one to be like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm like, nobody's obsessed about the Muppets more than me. This doesn't feel like what being in the Muppets should be like. Kermit's acting strange. And though it takes a long time for that to pay off, Walter does have a, a you know, sort of pivotal role later in this film where he is the one to uncover this, to get suspicious to follow Dominic and find out what's really going on. So, so I I agree with you, but I but I don't agree with you because I it's it, it, it does deliver it gives him something to do by the end of it. And when you're talking mm-hmm. about a, a group of characters as large as the Muppets are, I you know they they acknowledge even in this movie like hey we just spent a whole a whole movie establishing Walter Walter joining. I think it's Ralph that actually says it. He's like we just spent a whole movie about him joining the Muppets and Rizzo's like, yeah. And sometimes sacrificing, you know, screen time for other beloved characters. So, <laughs> so uh, Rizzo who didn't have anything to, I don't even think he maybe briefly appeared in the last one, but barely if that. Uh, so I, I like that it honors his place in, in the ensemble, even if he's mm-hmm. not in as much of a, a prominent role. That right. Sense. Yeah. I get what you mean. Um, I, I completely forgot about that line, if I'm being honest. So, I mean, it makes it a little, it, it kind of eases, I guess, the wound that they make. Right. Um, something that I absolutely dislike is this, um, the song, I Hope I Get It, when they're all singing about, uh, I hope they get the role. 
because there's a line. It's like, how many boys, how many girls? You're in a guy's only gulag. <laughs> I, well, I think that that song is from a chorus line. And I think they're just singing the actual existing lyrics from that song. But yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um. Yeah. <laughs> It's you know what's so funny is like in that song because I, I have it pulled up on Disney Plus. I'm just scrolling through different scenes. Yeah, yeah. And like I have that pulled up. They do a full close up on Ray Liotta. Where he's looking all scared, saying, "I hope I get it." I'm like, "Oh my god!" He really needs this job, you know. Ah um, oh, man, I, I like I, a legend gone too soon, man. But like, I want to know what inspired him to sign off on this film. I know it does. It feels he, he actually is in Muppets from space briefly, but this is like, this is like full on almost kind of a supporting role. Cause he's in all the gulag scenes. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it, I don't know. I guess he just really loves the Muppets or he, like for his, his kids or grandkids. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to be in scene with Kermit the frog. I don't know. Um, I think it's just for some of these people they're they're probably, you know, fans of, of the Muppets. So they're like, sure. I'll stand next to Tina Fey and, and look, stressed out about, you know, uh, the, the gulag annual review, uh, uh-huh. Trejo. I don't know. It's, it's funny to see him there. That's, that's, that's also like the cool thing about sometimes these movies is that you get those unexpected stars to show up. Uh, but when you give them something to do, that's what I was kind of the distinction earlier. Like you were saying with Lady Gaga, she's like just there with Tony Bennett serving craft services or something. I don't know. She, and the, uh, she's just there to say uh, uh, one liner cameos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. It's weird. It's weird. Um, but I, I, I like how I love how um, I love all the little, the little sort of subversive jokes that I think kind of fly into the radar here. One of them being uh, when when Kermit is arrested, uh, which again the the mole thing is is ridiculous, but it's very it's very much kind of a Muppet thing, uh, mm-hmm. and he's getting tossed in the police car, and he's like, "I'm an amphibian American," things like that. I think are pretty funny. Uh, they put him literally in the the Hannibal Lecter mask when they're bringing him to the Gulag. There's a lot of that kind of uh, edginess or like the little the little dash of darkness that the Muppets sometimes uh, include and I think makes them less children's entertainment and more family friendly entertainment mm-hmm. uh, to the point that Constantine is willing to blow up the entire wedding at a certain point. <laughs> oh my God. I completely forgot about that. And I, that's something that is funny is because like they're constantly given Beaker just like he he's been through it, man. And he's like, well, and um, um, I forgot his name. Uh, Honeydew. Honeydew. And he's like, oh, well, it's a good thing Beaker has this anti-bomb suit. I'm like, what? Think that would have something to do later? <laughs> wink, wink. Like at one point, I think uh, I think uh, Kermit is arrested at Plot Point Berg. There's things like that, too, where it's like so pointedly, you know, meta that acknowledging that they're in the movie and stuff. I love that stuff. And I feel like that... Uh, that's that's kind of a key element of this franchise that was missing for like a few of those movies in the in the middle there even Muppets Take Manhattan they don't really have much meta humor all the way through to I think the 2011 one's the one that really kind of brought that back where where they're like oh how are we gonna get there you know it's like haven't you seen our movies we drive and uh you know they're acknowledging oh this is gonna be a really short movie like every time people are the Muppets are aware that they're in a movie I agree with you there can we talk about I, I want to know if Ricky Gervais, because like you were you were saying, like he he looked like he was having fun, and he was in behind the scenes stuff and all that. 
Yeah. I want to know if he was having fun in that lemur suit <laughs> when he's like, Oh yeah, I've, I've, I've just pulled off the greatest heist. I've, I've, you have, you've seen my final form. I'm the Lima. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good point. Actually. Do you think that this movie, do you think we're supposed to be surprised at the end when he's the lemur? Or do you think that's supposed to be a big twist because they're every time they go to a crime scene, he's throwing the little lemur coin or leaving it behind because the lemur is the second biggest criminal uh, in the world of this movie. So technically he is number two, like the song says. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I, I, he, I think ultimately they were trying to just have him just leave his trademark there. It's like the wet bandits, the sticky bandits from home alone. Right. And like he, they, he was just wanting to leave his mark there. Um, even though the two detectives weren't really the brightest to see it. I mean, they kind of noticed it was the lemur, but I'm like, do you really think one of the Muppets would be like that? I don't think so. But um, it's so funny when they did take um, Kermit, who they thought was Constantine, into custody. And I think they're with Fozzie. And they're in the tiny car and they just stand up and the car is going with them. Yeah. <laughs> that part is so funny but um the whole lemur suit thing and the double crossing i'm like eh, i could have done without it yeah I, they could have just taken him away i don't i i feel like this movie falls a little too in love with the heist element and i don't really think the whole captain thomas blood or colonel thomas blood and uh the locket and the, the key to get to the I, I don't really care about any of that i feel like mm-hmm. we should have trimmed some of that down and you know, not have so many scenes of them sort of breaking busts to find the, uh, to find the next clue to lead them to the map, to the whatever. Like, I, yeah, I don't, I didn't need a lot of that. That's, that's not what I don't come to the Muppet movie to watch Ricky Gervais, like be a, a, a lemur criminal behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that if I, I'll say, I'll say this. If I had the choice to see Ricky Gervais in a lemur suit, and never watch the Muppets again, I would go with option two. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's something that is now melted into my brain that I just did not need to see. What about Constantine with the uh, frightening metal mm. teeth trying to <laughs> threatening his, uh, his fellow Muppets? Oh my God. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, that's, that's again where I feel like this, this, there's elements of this movie where you're like, this is a kid's movie. Cause that's a little intense for a little yeah, bit. Just like, yeah. No, I get what right. they were going for. They were trying to be, um, they were trying to like make it seem like that Constantine was an actual threat by like taking out like full sized, fully trained buff guards, but he was having issues fighting his own Muppets. Yeah, well, they have that. Yeah, they have the whole sequence early on when he breaks out where it's like clearly I, the director, James Bobin, who also did the 2011 movie, he he says that there is no CG in this thing, really. So I'm assuming then that those are there are puppeteers wearing green suits, uh, green body suits, moving yeah. the puppet along around, which at least that, because when I saw these movies the first couple times, I assumed because the, the the Muppets 2011 has sort of a martial arts sequence where they're when they're kidnapping Jack Black, uh, that I sort of assumed that they did just co- they just like oh let's just CG it, and I'm I'm so glad that they haven't really gone that way with these characters yet because that's 
that's part of what makes these this franchise magical is that you need to like they need to feel tangible they need to feel real so there's obviously there's that whole scene in the i'm number one sequence uh constantine's like dancing on the railing and clearly there's a green screen like green suited puppeteer back there moving him around uh Mm -hmm. jumping you know dancing on top of ricky gervais's head and all that so I, i like that they found sort of a way around it a way to expand the 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 sort of the palette of what they could do with those characters but also stay true to the, you know, the technical uh, achievement that that Jim Henson accomplished early on. Yeah, I do like how creative they did get with um, with t- like just being able to see the full body of the Muppets and stuff. Yeah. Um, no, I think there's just there's something more magical of just seeing, I guess, like torso up of them. Yeah. I, I don't know. May, I, maybe it's just me, but yeah. I agree. I just, uh, yeah, they, they, there are certain elements of the story that they like dance numbers and stuff that they, they want to accomplish otherwise. But I, I agree with you. I prefer mostly if they, they stick to the traditional puppeteering method and have it like the torso up approach. And they, they, they generally, they mostly do that. Uh, so I, I, you know, when they, when they bend the rules, I'm like, all right, bend the rules. Don't break them in half though. So they, 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 they keep that in, in place at least. Yeah, I agree. Man, it's funny because when I first when I sat down and watched this last week, um, I, I based my films out of five stars. I actually sat down and when I watched it, I'm like, okay, this is like terrible. I'm gonna give this a one and a half star. Right. Talking about this actually did increase my score a bit. Oh, good. I'm not sure where yet. Uh, I guess when we when we get to final ratings, I'll give it. But it it definitely did increase my appreciation for it. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, there's there's certain things in here that I think, I think as a sequel to the 2011 movie, and this might be the distinction that we need to make. I think as a as a sequel to the 2011 movie, it doesn't really work because it kind of immediately dashes everything that happened in that movie. Other than keeping Walter, Jason Segel, and Amy Adams are out. The whole you know everything that they had accomplished at the end of the first movie, air quotes first movie. Uh, you know that the, the crowd of fans it's gone like oh that was all a movie we're moving forward and then yeah it's like but the cameras are still rolling yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that was funny but like that's something that they kind of mentioned in the the 2011 film is yeah. when Amy Adams and Jason Siegel they ride off on the bus after saying and I've got everything that I need right in front of me yeah. and they're like they're gone and they just all drop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but and I, so I feel like they, they're like, okay, we inter- we we reintroduced the Muppets. Now let's go back to doing a Muppet movie, basically. So mm-hmm. I can I can understand if if the 2011 one was your first theatrical, like your first Muppet movie, that then this as a sequel to that didn't really work because it just feels like not just another Muppet movie, but it, it does feel like it's more in line with those earlier Muppet movies than the 2011 movie because it, it's it's kind of going back literally to tried and true formulas by doing a lot of the stuff that I, like I already mentioned from great Muppet caper and Muppet take Manhattan. Uh, I do like thematically some of the stuff that, that, that this has going on. I, I think it's one ludicrous that the Muppets wouldn't realize that Kermit was replaced with Constantine. Again, they, these move, this movie is sort of already like acknowledging uh, the Muppets maybe aren't the brightest group of people or creatures because during the whole interrogation song, they're like at the end, they're like, they couldn't have done it. They're too stupid. Uh, 
<laughs> which I'm like, ah, that's a little harsh, but you know, I'll allow it. Not, not as perceptive the Muppets generally. Uh, and it highlights just how much Kermit's leadership, not only his managerial skills, which are really come to the forefront here as he's conflicting with Dominic and, and Dominic has to sideline him to have Constantine step in, but it imagines, well, what, how do, how do the Muppets work without Kermit? Like they need Kermit there to sort of set limits. I'm a, I'm a, like I said earlier, I'm a parent. I have a five-year-old. I have an almost one-year-old. You need to set boundaries <laughs> when you're, when you're trying to run a household or a, a comedy troupe, I'm assuming mm-hmm. a performance you know group. So the fact that he's like, yeah, no, you're not doing indoor running of the bulls is not feasible. You know, piggy, you can't do fun. And the fact that Constantine's whole thing as he sings in a song is I can give you what you want. You're like, sure, you can do your five songs. Who cares? Uh, I, I think that it, it highlights how, how necessary Kermit is to making the Muppets war function as a group. And though it's ridiculous that they didn't notice he had been replaced the movie acknowledges that that is ridiculous. It's like, yeah, Walter, again, your boy Walter is like, hey, yeah, it, it is. It's as bad as it sounds. Like, I don't even know how that happened. And animals, like, the only one that knew for sure, hey, bad frog because of his instinct kicking mm-hmm. in. So I think it's it's interesting that, that it, it sort of uh, confronts how, um, Kermit's role in the Muppets, him grappling with being a leader in that way. So So even from like, you know, a thematic standpoint from a character standpoint, I think it feels like it, it does hit on some ground that hasn't really been covered by the previous movies. And that's mostly comes out. Like I was saying from the Constantine stuff, the heist things, the gulag stuff, like, yeah, that's whatever that could have been cut down. This should have been like 85 to 90 minutes, not an hour like not 107 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of scenes that could have definitely either been trimmed up or just removed completely. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I wanted to bring up about this film? I think that's it for me, at least. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the only number, the only song we didn't talk about is uh, something. So right again, the whole wedding thing, which I think is a really, oh, yeah. you know, you need that sort of ballad, you need that sort of piggy love ballad. I think it's it's really cute as a as a longtime fan seeing the whole uh, her vision of them growing old and the little pink frog and the little green piggy. I think that's adorable. Uh, I think that having Celine Dion come in there and overshadow the whole thing just makes it feel it kind of you know no 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 disrespect to Celine Dion. It kind of cheapens the the moment a little bit where it just feels like a showcase for a celebrity cameo than a character and story beat. But uh, but I, I I like what they were trying to do in in theory. Yeah, yeah. The, like it's it's one of those things like you appreciate the effort, but still criticize the outcome. Right, and that's that's kind of where I am a lot with this movie. I'm I I'm I'm very up and down on it. It's not anywhere near. It's not anywhere near my favorite Muppet movie, but it's not necessarily at the bottom either. It's kind of in that middle group where I'm like, ah, I like stuff about it and that stuff about it will keep me revisiting it, you know, going forward. But it's not, I wouldn't, it's not the one I would say, oh, you're not familiar with the Muppets. You have to see Muppets Most Wanted. If somebody recommended asked me, he's like, hey, I'm thinking about getting into this thing called the Muppets. What should I watch? I will never like, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I would just, yes. I would be like, here's all these films, watch them. 
the last film is Muppets 2011. Yeah. If it if it recommend if it recommends you another film on on Disney Plus, it doesn't exist. Forget about it. <laughs> There's a show that came out in 2015 and, and a haunted mansion thing. How do you feel about the haunted mansion thing? By the way, have you seen? I it? loved it. Um, yeah. As, okay. So, okay. So as a huge Disney Parks fan and a, and a Muppets fan, it's the best of both worlds. Um, I I grew up with the haunted mansion. Uh, it's not my favorite ride per se, but it is up there. I'm. It, it is up there as a great attraction. So seeing a mix of that in the Muppets, it was just, it was so funny. It was good. Yeah. It was definitely satisfying. I think a lot of people who love the Muppets and didn't love what they did with Muppets Most Wanted really came and really appreciated the Muppets Haunted Mansion. And I feel like generally it's been perceived as, as a step in the right direction. Because like you were saying, I think Disney also is like, yeah, 2011's Muppets. That's where we stopped. Um, because this wasn't, like I said, this was the movie that prematurely ended the resurgence of these characters. I don't think it's a bad movie, but I feel like it's generally kind of looked at as, ooh, that's the movie that like and kind of ended the run, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I... I think it's because they were rehashing too much stuff. I think they didn't, they weren't really opening up the franchise. I feel like with things like Muppets Haunted Mansion, which again is, is kind of plugging the Muppets into a pre-existing story or environment like they did with Christmas Carol, like they did with Treasure Island. Uh, but at this point, I feel like the franchise is at such a kind of tenuous place that I, I think, uh, I think that's probably a, a good way to go just to sort of get people back around to the Muppets. Muppets now, I don't think was particularly well regarded by fans. I, I like parts of it. Um, but I think the, you know, the Muppets mayhem show that they have coming up focused on the electric mayhem. I think that sounds like something that we haven't seen before and something with a lot of promise because those characters are really fun and they've always been sort of in the background and never really, uh, taking center stage and I think doing sort of a a more musical uh, bent on things like as as musical as in focusing on the band itself, not just having musical numbers. I think is is a smart idea. But but no, I I feel you with your with your reaction with Muppets Most Wanted. It's that seems to generally be the consensus. I feel like I I as a mild defender of this movie and am in the minority for sure. Uh, but it's, yeah, it, I just, I just want more Muppet content and the fact that it's 2022 and this is eight year old movie and it's the last time these guys were in theaters. I feel like, uh, you know, Disney's take a break from the Star Wars and the Marvels for two seconds and figure out a game plan for the Muppets and maybe they're getting there. I don't know. They're, they're, I feel like eventually they will get there. Um, no, I wouldn't mind if they just, if they did like, cause like Muppet Haunted Mansion got was very well received if they just went through and just did more muppet content with other disney attractions i think that would go very well for them i think so too like it's in space mountain (laughs) see that that's perfect pigs in space and then you just have like in parentheses mountain yeah (laughs) dude that would be so that'd be great yeah. And then you could you could do just like um uh like Treasure Island just Pirates of the Caribbean in it though. Yeah. Well, I mean the Pirates of the Caribbean they're supposedly developing a reboot or whatever with that. You no there's no reason you can't do like an hour long Muppet special 
with that. Exactly. Especially because, I mean, not to mention that, there's a there's a new Haunted Mansion film coming. Yep. Um, I think Jared Leto's in that, which is stupid. But um, Jared Leto is going to be in the new Haunted Mansion film. They're doing a Tower of Terror film. You could, there's so many Disney attractions that you can have the Muppets in and it could, and it just works. Yeah. I agree. I think, and, and at this point, Disney owns so much that you can do Muppets, insert whatever Disney owned property here and people will watch it. And even if it's not, you know, it's, it doesn't set the course for the future of this franchise. It gets people talking about the Muppets again. It gets them, you know, nowadays everything's about social media, it gets the Muppets trending and all that stuff, you know, and it gets, it kind of warms that, that fan base back up that if you eventually do decide to do another movie or another series or whatever, you can do that and have a little more support behind it. Exactly. Exactly. Solved your Muppet problem, Disney. Pay attention. Um, yeah. uh, uh, we, oh, yeah. we will like, uh, we will like 10% of the royalty costs. <laughs> Thank right. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so if we don't have anything else to say about Muppets most wanted, what do you think the Muppet movie the Muppet franchise, I guess the movie specifically, what does it contribute to cinema? What's the legacy of this franchise in your uh, see? Because I mean, eight years, I mean, what is eight years later? While we haven't had another film, I really hope that they didn't end this on with, um, with most wanted because most wanted as an installment as the final Muppets, like big project it ends very poorly. Mm. So, I mean, as far as fitting it into the whole universe of rankings, I am still uncertain how on, on how I rank everything. I've been trying to do it in between here and there of just, uh, of talking on the podcast. And I just, I, I don't think I could, I'd have to go back and watch the rewatch them all because it's just been so long. Right. But, um, but yeah, how I, how I view it is as far as, being a progressive movement with the film, it didn't add much to the universe they're building now, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they need to end there. Yeah, I agree. Especially because of how just how, with how busy Disney is with just all their projects that what's one more. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, yeah, I really hope this. I really hope Muppet, uh, Most Wanted isn't the fu- uh, the fina- finality. I guess that's the term for it. Finality of uh, of what we get for this. But and it's not even like these films are that expensive. They're like, I don't. This might have been one of the more expensive ones, just because I think after the 2011 one, they were just like, sure, we can, we'll make our money back, and then they didn't really. Yeah, but I think the 2011 one cost like only like 40 million or something. Like they're spending 300 million on Marvel, multiple Marvel movies every year to, to, you know, 150 to 200, 250 million. It's like throw 40 million at the Muppets. If, if when you have a good idea, I don't think, I don't think the, uh, I, like we were saying, I don't think that the, uh, I don't think the brand is there yet for another movie. I feel like it would underperform because mm-hmm. of what we were saying. Uh, but yeah, I think the problem here is that as much as I like this movie, that the finale is indicative of, of what my big issue is, which is looking to the past too much. It's, it's, uh, they should have listened to, to Kylo Ren. Let the past die. Kill, Kill it if you, if you have, have to. to. Don't literally bring a song from 1984 back 
like 20 years, uh, 30 years later mm-hmm. and, uh, and just have all the characters like burst into a 30 year old song that all of your new fans from the last one don't even recognize anyway. And all your old fans are going to be like, why am I hearing this song again? Um, so they, they didn't, yeah, they didn't look ahead. They looked back. And I think that was the problem, but you said that it was hard. It's hard for you to do a ranking, but if you had to, because I'm asking you for this episode, <laughs> if you had to rank these eight best to worst, worst to best, and it could be based on memory. If you haven't seen them in a while, it's fine. I think based on memory, I think without a mature viewing, I think it goes Muppets from space at the very bottom. Uh, Muppet caper right above it. Manhattan treasure Island. Nope. Sorry. Most wanted then treasure Island. Then the original Muppet movie. And then the Muppets from worst to best. Okay. I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like, Oh, Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol. Oh my God. That's number three. Okay. So three of the, uh, okay. So to recap eight Muppets from space, then seven is great Muppet caper. Then Muppets take Manhattan. Then Muppets most wanted. Then Muppet treasure Island. Then the Christmas Carol. Then the original Muppet movie. And then the 2011. Yes. And then I'd like to bring him an honorable mention. Uh, we were, um, we were talking about it before we started recording uh, honorable mention and it didn't hit theaters at all. It's something that actually is actually really good is Muppets Wizard of Oz. If you ever get a chance to watch it, I highly recommend it. All right. There you go. I, I feel like a lot of the people who we've talked about that on that show, on this show, don't really care for that one. And I, I didn't at the time, but I also admittedly haven't seen it in God, 17 years, whatever that was, 2005. Um, yeah. So. yeah. It's like, it's, it's not the best thing ever. Right. But it's just, it's one of those films. like, you, if you know the plot of the wizard of Oz and you like the Muppets, it's, it's good to just sit down and just throw it on the background. If you're working yeah. on something. I think the timing is a, is a, is key for why people felt the way they felt about Muppets Wizard of Oz, because when that came out, that was in the, the dearth of Muppet content. So we had, you know, Muppets from space in 1999 and then over a decade of just TV specials, TV movie, whatever, things like that. So I think it might've had a lot of the expectations from the previous Muppet, uh, adaptations, the, uh, Christmas Carol, Treasure Island, and then Wizard of Oz. And then people, people were like, uh, this is what you make me wait this long. And this is what we get. So mm-hmm. have people seeing it in the way that you may have seen it, which was seeing the 2011 movie and then going back and discovering all this other Muppet stuff, very different experience is, is I think that that probably informs a lot of the general opinion for the, that, that particular film. Yeah. Yeah. It, that that's, you nailed it. It's interesting to see just, how everybody ranks things and their thoughts on things, um, depending on like the timing of when they see it. It's just like, if you were to have somebody now sit down and watch, because like growing up, I grew up with the prequels. And so there's just that 10 year gap of nothing. And then we got the sequels and you get to go like the hype for it, just going to sit down and watch it. It's not going to be the same. Same with the MCU. It's like, you would have to wait all this time for different films to come out. Nowadays, you can just sit down and watch it. It it just it has that different kind of feeling. Absolutely, it's like yeah. with the Muppets, it's definitely there because um, I had the luxury of not being alive after when all <laughs> these films came out, so I was able to just sit down and watch all the Muppet films. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, and when you see the, when you see them is it, such a, or the, the ones you're exposed to the, the most as a child or as an, an early fan of, of whatever franchise, I think that's, it, it's a hugely impactful because I had, uh, I had a, a couple people on this mega series that were ranking the great Muppet caper at the top. And even really? though I was, yes. And even though I was born in 1983 and I grew up with Manhattan, which came out the year I was, you know, I was my son's age right now uh, when that came out and I grew up with the Muppet babies and Muppet caper was already around. That's not one we really had on VHS or in rotation because for whatever reason, we just didn't have it in my household. And so even now going back, I'm like, ah, I like this, I get it, but it doesn't resonate with me because I don't have, 35 years of history with it. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it doesn't measure up to the original Muppet movie or Muppets take Manhattan in my eyes, just because I've seen it intermittently. And so it never really, I never absorbed it at that pivotal age when I was like, when I was forming and developing my love for these characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, this is what I love though. It's just different walks of life with just growing up with it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been the fun of this mega series is that everybody that comes on loves these characters, but everybody has their own, you know, their own idea of what pinnacle of the Muppets really is and their mm-hmm. own history is there and hitting it, you know, discovering it at different ages and all this stuff. And so I think it's, it's, it's a testament to how fun the, this franchise is that, you know, everyone generations have grown up with these characters and continue to root for them even though the giant corporation that's behind it is sort of lagging a bit, but we'll hopefully we're turning a corner. Uh, but I wanted to say, Brandon, this was so much fun. I'm so glad we were able to do this. I'm glad I, I casually mentioned that I was doing this mega series when I was on film code. So we can, we could get you on here and talk about uh, Muppets most wanted, but tell people where they can find you uh, and film code on social media. Yeah. Well, I want to start off with, yeah, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Uh, gave me an excuse to go back and rewatch uh, Muppets 2011 and then Muppets Most Wanted. So thank you for that. Um, um, but yeah, uh, you guys can find me at F-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C ears over on Letterboxd. Uh, it's Fantasmic Ears. And then you can find our show, Film Code, um, at Film Code Pod on Twitter. Um, I think on Spotify and Apple Apple Podcasts. I think it's the full Film Code podcasts. We haven't really worked on our YouTube channel yet. That's something that we are working on uh, building out still. I have a couple of interviews with um, with a famous voice actor, Jim Cummings, that I did back oh, wow. in March. I just have not had a chance to put it out there yet. So I'm really excited to post that. But yeah, it's um, this was a lot of fun. And uh, Thank you for thank you guys thank you guys for having me on the podcast. Um, thank you guys for listening to this podcast. And uh, yeah, this was fun. Definitely, and we'll definitely get you back either here or on our sister show, Close Watch, at some time soon. But this was a blast, and I have to keep an eye out for that Jim Cummings interview because that's uh, that man is in so many projects that I, the voice of Darkwing Duck, and so many other characters that I grew up with in the '90s, especially. So I'm excited to check that out. Yeah, um, I back in March we uh, we went to this uh, I went to this convention through media and um, I'm a huge Star Wars fan so I wanted to talk to him about so many other roles but I had five minutes with him and Hondo Onaka 
Yeah. Um, I, he's great as Hondo Onaka. So I'm like, I have to interview him about this, but he does do a few different voices when he's talking about his favorite colors. Um, he's like, he uses Darkwing Duck when talking about dark, uh, dark purple. It, it's great. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. Very cool. All right, Brandon. Well, we'll definitely do this again soon, my friend. Thanks for taking the time. And, yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah. Big thanks to Brandon from Film Code for coming on to discuss 2014's Muppets Most Wanted. So there you have it. That's the end of our Muppets Mega Series. Now we have a little matter of revealing the ranking. As you all know, every episode, our guests have been ranking the eight theatrically released Muppet films. I'm not going to go through and recap every single one because there, that's you know, we're getting now to more and more films longer and longer mega series, and it's just streamlining it a little bit just to give you what the uh, the final results were. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, I use a point system. So if it was something, if a movie was rated first place, it gets one point. If it was really rated, in this case, eighth place, it gets eight points. And then the sort of uh, golfing rules, <laughs> the lowest score uh, is the, uh, the top uh, of the list. So in eighth place with 53 points, most of the people had this uh, either uh, seven or eight. It was always pretty much on the low end. Muppets from Space from 1999. Uh, in seventh place, barely, uh, barely beating Muppets from Space was Muppets Most Wanted with 51 points. Again, this was often uh, towards the end. Almost three people had it in, in very last place. In sixth place, these are all very close, these first, these uh, the latter half of this, is Muppet Treasure Island with 49 points. That seemed to be more middling. A few people did have that in their top three or four. And then we jump from 49 points to 34 points with number five, The Great Muppet Caper. But as I've said, uh, even in this episode, that's not one that doesn't particularly resonate with me, so... I'm not surprised to see it this low, even though a couple people did have it as their number one selection. In fourth place, The Muppets 2011 with 30 points. Uh, a couple people had this in their top two, and a lot of other ones had it kind of right in the middle. So uh, it barely got beaten out by 1992's The Muppet Christmas Carol with 29 points. Uh, a little bit of a lower showing than I was expecting, but... Pretty, uh, pretty impressive nonetheless. A lot, most people had that in their top three or four. And then the Muppets take Manhattan in the runner up spot with 27 points. And of course, that leaves the number one spot the original 1979 The Muppet movie with 15 points. We had one, two, three people had this in their top spot, four people had it in their top, uh, in their second spot. And one person had it in fourth place. That's the winner of this mega series, the Muppet movie. Still untouchable, as we've talked about. This Muppet movie franchise has gone a lot of different places in 35 years. Uh, between that and Muppets Most Wanted, we'll see what the future holds for the Muppets. But as for my personal ranking, I would probably go Muppet Treasure Island, Muppets from Space, Great Muppet Caper, Muppets Most Wanted. Uh, they're like neck and neck. They're kind of. I might flip those two depending on the day. Uh, because as we said, I do have very mixed feelings on Muppets Most Wanted, uh, Muppets 2011, and then Ironclad Top Three for me. The Muppets Take Manhattan, The Muppet Christmas Carol, and The Muppet Movie. And I'm glad to see that guests uh, agreed with uh, with me, and we had the the same take there. So that's all we have for the Muppets Mega Series. I want to thank. Uh, I want to thank everyone. I want to thank Stephen Fodor from Too Much Scrolling. 
I want to thank uh, Ryan Luis Rodriguez from uh, One Track Mind. I want to thank The Vern from Cinema Recall. I want to thank film critic Morgan Roberts. I want to thank screenwriter Briaz Muday. I want to thank Sandro Falci from Oldie But a Goodie. Film critic Didi Crimmins. And of course, Brandon from Film Code, as you heard in this episode. Thank you all so much for spending the time to talk Muppets with me for these eight episodes. It's been a real blast. Hopefully we'll, you know, maybe we'll, we'll get some bonus content up here when the Muppets Mayhem comes out or, or maybe we'll, we'll, re, uh, we'll look into doing some more Muppet stuff if you guys really want to. Uh, if that's the case, let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Crooked Table, the same handle on Instagram via email, robert at crookedtable.com. We'll be back next week. Normally I'm going to start taking breaks between mega series, but I really want to squeeze in a couple more mega series before the end of 2022. So we'll be nap- we'll be back next week with our first entry in our Dark Knight trilogy mega series with 2005's Batman Begins. Stay tuned for that. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. Catch you in the next stop, everyone. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of the little KED.